Hey there, thanks for visiting the podcast of the Guelph Vineyard Church. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast using whatever platform you listen on, or visit our website at guelphvineyard.com. Here's this week's message brought to you by Vineyard Ontario Regional Leader, Wayne McQueen. Well, here we are on the fifth Sunday, season of Lent. And for me, uh, particularly in the last number of years, practicing the observance of Lent has been a real gift for me in my own uh, spiritual formation. It's a gift in that every spring I get the better parts of two months to find my way again. Intentionally uh, just putting a little bit more space in my life, hitting the pause button a little bit more frequently, but finding my way uh, in Jesus, who is the way. Time of recalibration, time of recentering a life on Christ, uh, discovery, perhaps even recovery of What might it look like for me to live the life that I was created for? It's pondering the cross, the way of the cross. It's the great paradox that's embedded in this big, beautiful gospel. So with what I would like you to do this morning, if you could open If you have a Bible with you, or a phone, find your way to Matthew 16. We're going to look at a couple of verses there this morning. So before I read them, uh, these verses appear also in Mark as well as Luke. So we're, we're referring to like the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So we're going to read from Matthew. I'm going to draw in a picture that appears only in Mark. And in Mark, the setting, he describes it as there was a crowd, as well as the disciples that Jesus was speaking to. And I kind of like that, because for me, that communicates for those who have ears to hear. And so in Matthew 16, I'll pick it up in verse uh, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Let's read that verse 24 and 25 again. If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. From this text, 
What I want you to hear is the proclamation of the gospel. Jesus is proclaiming the gospel in this way. Remain in me and you will discover, you will find the life that you were created for. Remain in Christ and you will find the life that you were created for. Each of you has a particular way of life that you were created for. When you find that, you will know it because you will experience the grace that is required, not only for you to experience it, but to remain true to that which you were created for. It's like, it's like a, what is that grace? It's like grace, it's like an inner uh, conviction, it's a compelling, it's something that just continually rises up within you to remain true to that which you know that you've been created for. So let me um, tell a story that happened two weeks ago. I was meeting with a friend of mine and we were having coffee, something that we've been doing uh, occasionally for the last 20 years. We have, a, we have some history. And we're, we're of similar age and we're at that point of our, our conversations when we get together as he likes to say, we're curating memories. <laughs> and really, it's not living in the past, but it's just kind of pulling on those things, you know, how we've, just some things that we've observed about life and we talk about our kids and our grandkids and all that good stuff. He's a five minute before person, meaning he's always on time, except this time when we got together. It's the first time in 20 years I can remember, I, I don't remember him ever being late before, so I was concerned. I thought, hey, this is really unusual. It's like at the text, I'll be there in a few minutes. He shows up flustered, a bit, um, and he talks about how he kind of got messed up, he was on the other side of town, he got caught up in the traffic trying to get across London, and, um, and he says, I, I was coming from my, my weekly um, massage therapy, and I said, are you okay? I mean, weekly massage, he said, no, no, no it's okay, I'm not injured, actually, I'm, it's part of my preparations for, for a marathon I'm going to be running shortly. So both he and his wife are avid long-distance runners. And uh, in fact, his wife, is, uh, she just got qualified. She's running in the Boston Marathon in a couple of weeks. So it's kind of a big deal. And so we're talking about that. And they've been doing it for 20 years now. And I said, so I'm curious. You know, Paul, Paul talks about um, in scriptures, we see it actually in different points in the New Testament, this metaphor of running the race well as a, as a metaphor for the Christian life. And it uh, shows up in different ways, kind of like that long obedience in the same direction thing that Eugene Peterson talks about. Like, so I said, I'm curious. You know, drawing on your experience of doing this over a bunch of years, what has been helpful or meaningful to you in the way of a metaphor for living the Christian life well. And um, he was thinking, and he said, you know, there's been one conversation that happened a bunch of years ago that has really stayed with me. And he recalls the memory of, he just started doing this a little bit more seriously. He was in his early 40s when he started. 
And he, um, he says, I had to, really it was a privilege to meet with someone who had been doing this for a bunch of years. He was actually now in his 70s. And, uh, and so he asked him, he says, okay, what, I want, like I want to really give, I really enjoy this, but I want to give myself to this. And what advice do you give me? And, and this person, his name was, is um, Ed Whitlock. He lived in Milton. And Ed Whitlock is kind of a legend amongst marathon runners. Um, he was the, I think he was uh, in, in his 70s, he broke a record of running the marathon in less than three hours. And he still holds, I understand, the world record for marathon running in the mail uh, between the ages of 70 and 74. And, he's, and my friend told me just a few years ago he passed away. And the year before he passed away, when he was 85, he became the oldest person to run the marathon in less than four hours. So he probably has a little pearl of wisdom to drop. And he, and he said, he says, the key, or what, is, what I think would be helpful for you to know if you want to do this for a long time, is to keep running between injuries. And we talked about that. Because as a runner, no matter what you do for preparations and all of that, injuries are bound to happen. Keep running between injuries. And so the metaphor translates into keep following Jesus between injuries. To live our lives with compassion and with love, we're bound to experience injuries. Keep loving. Keep following. Keep running between injuries. And I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. You think about this word injury and um, tracing the word back to most of our words come out of the Latin. It's interesting that the, the meaning of the word from which we get the word injury means injustice wrongful actions being wronged so let's come back to what we were hearing from Matthew 16 this morning by remaining with Christ we find the life that we were created for remaining with Christ we find the life that we were created for if you look at um, the scripture there in verses 25 and 26, you'll see um, there's a word that shows up four times. It's the word in the Greek, it's suhe. It's translated life. It's translated soul. Some translations it appears as couplets. Life and twice in verse 25, soul twice in verse 26. It's the same word that shows up in Genesis 1. Verse 20, when God spoke and there were living creatures. And what Jesus is reminding us of here 
in this text is something we already know. There is nothing more valuable to us than the value we place on our lives. He even asked the question. He asked the question, what would you give in exchange for your soul? But what we might need to be reminded of this morning is that God values your life even more than you do. Consider who God had in mind in his crazy, beautiful imagination when he knit you together in your mother's womb. From Psalm 139. Consider how he created you for his glorious purpose and with the idea that you honor God by being who he created you to be. That's how we honor God. That's how we worship him. It's with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. By being the person that he created you to be. Loving him, serving him with the essence of who we are, and thinking about us being created in the image and in the likeness of God, the essence is love. But then Jesus says that for you to find your life and all its created fullness, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and keep on following him. You're your translation likely says follow him, but if you unpack the verb that's being used there, it literally means keep on following him. And I was thinking about this word deny. And I was and I was thinking, what's Jesus, what's he wanting to get at here? And so I I, I found it helpful to, to find the word that from which you we get the word deny, translate from, just doing a little bit of Greek, and looking back into the Greek version of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, which it likely was, that's what it was common at the time the New Testament was written. It's interesting, it first appears in Isaiah 31.7. I think it paints a really cool picture. For in that day, every one of you will reject the idols of silver and gold your sinful hands have made. So perhaps denying yourself is denying that part of yourself that gets in the way of you worshiping God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is saying no to that which robs you and steals you and is intended for death of your soul. It's about freedom. And then Jesus uses this phrase, take up your cross. The imagery is clear, it's powerful, and I suspect we can imagine that if we are carrying a cross, the last thing in our mind is, well, i put it this way, I think it's a hopeless thought that I can save myself. The cross is the antithesis to self-promotion. Self-affirmation. The cross leads to one thing. Think of the long view here. The cross leads to one thing. Resurrected life. If you have memories of coming out of the waters of baptism, you've got a taste of it there. That's where the cross leads to. 
And then Jesus starts talking about losing our life to find it. And what's that? That's what occurs when we forget one's self or one's self-interest. It's losing our life is experienced every time we lay down our life for another. You know, if you've watched the celebration of Joy Best, you'll pick up on that a little bit. Think of first responders, right? That's, that's when you lose your life because you're, you're, you're not even thinking about it because your focus is where? And I think this is the essential question that's rising out of this text. What is love? And this is where the Gospel of John now really helps us because he uses some other language to paint this and it is laying down of one's life. And it really, it first appears in John 10. Jesus four or five times talks about the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I lay down my life for my sheep. I have the authority and the power to lay down my life and to take it right back up again. And then a few chapters later in John 15, Jesus says, there's no greater love than this. And to lay down his or her life for a friend. And I think it now begins to make sense what Jesus is saying here. To live for ourselves only leads to us losing what is most valuable to us. But living for the sake of others, we find, that's when we find what is most precious to us. And the invitation here, what we're seeing here is a call to uh, humility. C.S. Lewis, he says that humility isn't thinking less of ourselves, it's thinking of ourselves less. Less of our injuries, less of our, about our, our, our rights, less about our justifications. And we think, we're starting to think more about the other person. Where are they hurting? What are they afraid of? What are they reacting to? Humility is the freedom to get unhooked from our emotional agenda so that we can love and serve others in freedom. And this morning, we are proclaiming the good news. Remain in Christ and you will find the life that you were created for. However, let me also tell you something you already know. Living a life of love, you will experience injuries. Loving deeply comes with high risk. When you love deeply, you will experience injury. Loving as Christ loved is risky. It can be downright painful at times. But oh my. When you experience the life that you were created for, it's glorious. Is it not?
So not only is it necessary to remain with Christ so that you will find the life that you were created for, you need to remain with Christ when you experience injury and allow him to be your physician. Because he came not only to comfort you, you realize he runs towards you, he comforts you, he heals you, he restores you, but I would say even more than that, he transforms you. You come out the other side better. You know, there's a time in, our life, in my life I used to like to say, the, the, what's most significant about your spiritual life is to lean on Jesus. I've shifted my advice over time. I now say what's key to living the spiritual life is cleaving to Jesus. Remain with Christ and you'll find the life that you were created for. Remain with Christ in and out of season. And you will find and you will hold fast to that which you were created for. Let me tell you how I've been working out this identity thing in my life. For the last 40 years, um, my vocation has taken on various expressions. Back in the 80s, early 90s, I was an HR manager with a, in the corporate world, and so really my focus there was on building bridges between workers and management. And, uh, and so there was that. And then coming on staff as a pastor in Cambridge in the 90s, and then later on, Sabrina and I and the family moving to London, being involved in pastoring. The last 10 years, Sabrina and I have been really giving more time and, and energy and, and, and resources towards spiritual direction, not only offering it, but training and equipping others in that work which is a work of helping others attend to their life with God. But regardless of the expression of my vocation, the one focus has always been on trying to help people discover who they were created for and to encourage them and strengthen them to remain true to who they are. But likewise, in the last 40 years, I cannot tell you how many times I wanted to quit. Relational injuries, um, loss of loved ones, some through tragic unfair death, um, some because of um, betrayal of trust, of which much of it was because of my own sin, my own re wrong reactions, my own weaknesses and brokenness, sometimes because of theirs, likely it's a combination of both. There are some days I would literally say out loud, I cannot do this anymore. <coughs> you know, cutting remarks, feeling ignored, you know, the insecurities become a way of life, and you know, just, you, 
You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But by the grace of God, and the grace of God often shows up through other people who see something you're blind to now, and they they speak and they minister and they call it out again. And I I let Jesus not only be my Lord and King, but my healer, letting him in, learning to take regular pauses to tend to my own injuries. And you know what happens? Because here's the thing about healing. Another word picture. If blood doesn't get to the injured tissues, you know what happens? It's called gangrene. Eventually it's death. And I wasn't prepared to die in that way. Let the blood flow. And... um, See, loving people will be accompanied by painful injuries. But here's what I've noticed. Is when I keep loving between injuries, something has changed inside of me over time. I'm becoming more and more at peace with myself. I think that's where there's an opportunity for the fruit of the Spirit to show up. I found that loving well between injuries is leading me deeper and deeper into the life that I was created for. And you know what it feels like? It feels like home. And there's no place like home. Remaining with Christ we find the life that we were created for. So, where do you need that good news today? Where do you need to experience healing for the relational injuries so that you can re-enter into the life that you were created for? Where is your point of need? What might it look for you to lay down your life in order to find life in your marriages, in your families, with your children, your grandchildren, with those that you love dearly? What might this look like in the context of uh, in the context of your workplace or school? Your neighborhood? So this morning, how will you say yes to Jesus' invitation? to remain in him, to cleave to him. And what does it look like? Think about this. What does it look like for you to surrender to him today and step into a way of life that opens the door to the life 
that you were created for. Why don't, why don't we stand? For those who are able to stand, I'm just going to read a few verses from 1 John 3 over us this morning. And so we begin by saying, God, thank you for your word. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now this is his command. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And love one another as he commanded us. And the one who keeps his commands remains in him. And he in him, and the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit that he has given us. See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, and we are. Dear friends, John writes, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him, and we will see him as he is. Let me finish with a, with a prayer. This showed up in my feed this morning. And um, I guess I particularly took note of it because it was inspired by two of my heroes that have shaped my life in their understanding and articulation of the kingdom, John Wimber and Dallas Willard. I thought, wow, what a combo. But let me just read it. I'll read it slowly and just to let it find its place with you. Jesus, because I am crucified with you, today I abandon the project of living for my desires, reputation, recognition, and glory. In the authority of your name and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I put to death wanting my way to be done with you and other people. Come, Holy Spirit, rise up within me. Break the power of self-preserving and self-protective thoughts and desires. Free me this day from believing that getting what I want equals my self-worth being fulfilled. Free me in order that I may freely love others. Father, I freely abandon myself into your hands. Your love holds me in all my fragility. 
whatever you want to do with me this day, I surrender my agenda without reservation and with boundless confidence in your goodness.